You're listening to Pulse Radio. I got to get on my WWE energy right now, man. Because what y'all doing out here? Not y'all jumping Dave Chappelle and it jumped in the process. Not the Golden State Warriors Grizzlies game started with like five players getting injured. Is this Monday Night Raw? I'm watching wrestling again. And what I saw yesterday with the Grizzlies and the Warriors, y'all need to be in the WWE. Y'all need to be in the Octagon. Y'all need to be training for celebrity boxing matches. What in the world? What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, host of Pulse Radio, in the building for another edition of Pulse Radio on the day. Ariel, listen, I thought I was watching football. The boys playing football, Ariel. <laughs> listen, if you want, if you want to bring the USF into basketball, I'm I'm here for it. Any 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 action I can get because just it's a lot going on, Randall. It's a lot going on in the world. It it it, it is. And and listen, shout shout out to to Dave Chappelle's security as well as the fellow comedians that jumped on the guy that tried to jump Dave Chappelle because what do you think this was? This ain't the Oscars, okay? This is the Netflix comedy show, all right? So we're not playing them games. It, it, was, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of violent black Air Force energy going on last night, man. I wasn't feeling it. But let's go on and get into it. Are you, how's everything going with you? It's going pretty good. I just, you know, the sports world is just... Forever entertaining. Ever since 2021, it's never ceased to stop amazing me. And I, I hope it keeps going. I mean, I hope nobody keeps getting hurt. We don't want that. We don't wish that. But the action, I love it. It's it's pretty um, it's pretty rough out here. It's pretty nice. No, it is. So the reason why I had to go with Motorhead, rest in peace to, I think, the lead singer of Motorhead. He, that was Triple H's theme song from the WWE uh, back in the day. He, he's actually retired. But he, he announced that, ironically, to Stephen A. Smith. That was interesting. But I tweeted this out because I started back watching wrestling again and my brother got me back watching it. So when I saw the Gri the Grizzlies game and I saw Dylan Brooks, he slapped Gary Payton the third and he went down on his wrist. I thought he broke his wrist, but his elbow, he has to get in around his elbow because I think his elbow was fractured. He might be yeah. out for the rest of the other series. And then I saw Draymond get elbowed by Xavier Tillman and he went down, he was bleeding, had to go back and get stitches and he flipped off the crowd. I'm like, man, this game starting off like the WWE, like Monday Night Raw. And I just tweeted that typically there's so many tweets going on, uh, different troll pages and memes going around and all of that. But somehow my post got 29 likes. So thank you to everybody that liked my post. I thought it was pretty funny too. Congratulations. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was pretty funny too, Ariel, but... Let's go on and get into it. We're going to talk about uh, the NFL draft and a lot of greatness coming from HBCUs. But let's start with basketball. So we're knee deep into uh, round two of the NBA playoffs. So um, game one happened on Sunday for uh, the Bucks and the Celtics and the Warriors and the Grizzlies. The Bucks defeated the Celtics 101 to 89 and the Warriors defeated the Grizzlies 117 to 116. On Monday, the Heat defeated the 76ers 106 to 92, and the Suns defeated the Mavericks 121 to 114. Now, yesterday it got interesting because the Celtics came back and blew out the Bucks 109 to 86, and the Grizzlies defeated the Warriors 106 to 101 in a dazzling display with John Morant 
had 47 points and was really giving LeBron James versus the Pistons in 2007 energy. Well, I was watching on that box TV with, with the big bat, man, back in my room back in the day, well, up, up, up way later than my bedtime type energy, man. It, I was like, man, we're seeing the rising of a star. So we have to start with that series. We want to go back to game one because we saw Dylan Brooks get ejected for a play that I personally believe was worse than what Draymond Green did, Ario. Um, with Draymond Green, he was going up trying to stop Brandon Clark Jr. for getting an easy layup. Typically, referees call fouls. They're more judicial with the fouls, and you know they let you be a little bit physical in the playoffs. But it's all about player safety. So Draymond has a reputation. He's kicked folks in the nuts, let's be real. Uh, he's eyed, he's scratched people in the eyeballs. All these different things that he's done. And because of all of that, in 2016, he was suspended from the NBA Finals, and people swear up and down. That that's the reason why the Cavaliers won. I will not get into that conversation right now. But he is really close to replicating that, especially if the Warriors continue. He went on a whole media spree on his podcast and on these different shows. He was like, he should not have gotten that. He wasn't trying to maliciously hurt Brandon Clark. And they, they didn't rescind it. He got a flagrant too. He was ejected from that game. So Dylan Brooks, to me, did worse because Gary Payton was going up for a layup and Dylan Brooks had the wind up. Gary Payne Jr. fell, and he's hurt. That might take him out for the rest of the series. And I was tweeting, I was saying, if, you, if, you, if you're going to eject Draymond, you got to eject Dylan Brooks. No favoritism, no none of that. You got to keep that same energy. And fortunately, they did. Dylan Brooks was ejected. So I want to ask you this. So what, so did, did you see both of them? Like, what, like I, Which one do you think was worse? And do you think that both... Deserved, you know that that objection, Aria. I didn't get to see both, but I definitely saw Draymond's, and I actually completely agree with him. And I agree with the whole sideline where they were cursing out the refs and trying to figure out what was going on. I think personally, it could have been a flagrant one foul, not flagrant two. And Draymond Green is not the only person in basketball. Right. Well, as of right now, he is, but not the only person in basketball that has had those type of tempers that is known for being really aggressive. What they used to say until, you know, they're trying to be appropriate and nice to us, a thug mentality where you're really rough. You're really passionate about the game. And you'll do anything by any means necessary. Shout out to my boy, Michael Mix, to just get your point across to make sure you play the game fairly to give your team a chance. What he did, honestly, and even looking in slow-mo, was it aggressive? Yes. Did it look like an intentional pull-down? No. Was he fighting to get that rebound? Did he not want that ball to go in? Of course. However, what happened on the other side of the court? <laughs> he definitely deserved to be ejected. And, you know, I I think there may be a little bias here just because we all know how Draymond Green is. So maybe they're just like, listen, we're trying to prevent the situation before it happens, being a little proactive, and we're going to set the tone for these players that if you do anything that looks malicious, if you do anything that seems like it's going to injure the player, especially if you had that background before, and let's be honest, the Golden State Warriors have been in so many championships, have been in so many playoffs, they know what it looks like to play the game and actually play it defensively and make sure that they win. We're going to prevent that situation at all costs. So ejecting Draymond Green, they probably feel like a message to all other players that you can't play like this, but if you don't have that 
dreamer green mentality or that personality, you can possibly get away with anything and maybe just something flagrant one and not be ejected. So that's what I think what happened on the other side of the court. Like I said, I haven't really looked at it, but just because it's Draymond Green, they decided to make an example out of him, which I think is unfair. And, you know, what you said is very true. And this is what I was talking about on last week. And a lot of people were saying this, including Draymond Green with Carl Anthony Towns. I think Carl Anthony Towns is, is a great guy. Um, and he, like I said, he has been an advocate for vaccines. He's dating Jordan Woods. Was That's a, a big plus for him. Shout out to him for that. Um, but he's not a tough guy. And I, that's okay. I'm not a tough guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't got to be, like, like you, you if you if you a man, you got to hold, hold it down and, and, and protect what's yours. Don't let nobody punk you. But you don't got to be going around yelling and barking at people. But Draymond's been that guy. And for some reason, NBA fans have this fascination with saying, oh, this guy ain't really tough. That guy ain't really tough. X, Y, Z. But they don't say that about James Johnson, who got released by the Nets. who's playing for the Nets this year. He got released because they know James Johnson can fight. He, he, he's like a mixed martial artist and an undefeated, you know, fighter. So they don't say that about him because, oh, he can fight. But I think Patrick Beverly, although he's an irritant, he's tough. I think Draymond Green has shown toughness, but also both Draymond Green and, and you know, Patrick Beverly have been dirty players to a point. And Draymond Green is very articulate. He's a, he's a media guy because he, he went to school for mass communications. So he can elocute his point perfectly. And he'll be great post-retirement when he go when he gets in the media. But you can't tell me that some of the antics that he's done over the past few years, that wasn't dirty. But this one, I don't think, now I get the ejection, but I don't think that one was dirty. That should have been a flagrant one. But I do believe that they were trying to send a message. But yesterday, that was more of a message to me. Because you have Scott Foster there. They were trying their best to make sure that this didn't go crazy. You got Draymond out there, the Grizzlies, they talking about we want to smoke, we running up the chimney, like all the different stuff that they're saying. You don't want this to turn into a big incident like the Suns versus the Spurs 2007. You had Steve Nasky hip check over the table by Robert Ory. You got folks running on the court. You don't want that, especially when we're looking, Ariel, and we're looking at like the ratings for the NBA and I found this, and I'm like, I got to say this on the podcast. Shout out to, to John Oran. I listen to his podcast all the time. The Warriors and the Grizzlies averaged 7.7 million viewers on Sunday, and it's the most watched conference semi semifinal game on ABC in 11 years. And how about this? It peaked at 10.2 million viewers. So shout out to the NBA. We're coming back, okay? The NFL got us. They got us. But we're coming back. All right. So oh, we still got y'all. <laughs> we still got y'all. We're still going off. I, we but to know. your point, I, <laughs> I think you have to have those interesting players. You have to have people like Jeremy Green. Like I'm in the era with Chris Anderson. If you guys you know Chris Anderson, you know Birdman. When he used to play with Miami, I used to love his aggressive playing style. I used to love Allen Iverson's playing style. I love aggressive playing style. That's why I'm a big football fan. But at the same time, it goes to a certain point coming from those championships, coming for the mentality of winning. There are certain things you can and you cannot do. And there's certain things that are a little overboard. And I don't I probably, I honestly don't think the refs. I mean, I don't think the players are the problem. I kind of think it's the refs a little bit. Like if you see a play and you're trying to be preventative about certain things that happen, then y'all, you guys should be equal and you're thinking all across the board. You should be equal in what is a foul and what is not a foul 
what is super aggressive and what's not aggressive across the board. Don't just try to make an example out of somebody because you know who he is and what he's about. Draymond Green just knows how to win, period. He knows what winning is. He's been in that situation plenty of times before. Even with the greatest basketball players that we ever know, even if they're really short and sweet or they're really tall and aggressive, it doesn't matter. When you're in a playoff situation, sometimes that anger and that contentment they come out. So at the end of the day, if you're going to do Draymond Green the way that you're going to do it throughout the playoffs, and if the Warriors make it out of this series, then you need to do it the same way in the Eastern Conference. Don't just don't just think that just because this happens over here, it doesn't need to happen with another team. Like, I, I just didn't like the play regardless. But listen, let me tell you, just like how they were saying on one of my favorite podcasts, you got to have smart players. Because I was listening to Draymond Green in his podcast, and I was like, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Let me tell you, go to school for what you need to do, because whenever you need to get out of the situation, you got to better know how to handle yourself. And yes, mass communication majors, yes, we know how to handle ourselves. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about Draymond Green when it comes to his podcast and how great he is at it. You know, Draymond Green wasn't, LeBron James. He wasn't like Paulo Brancaro or Chet Holmgren. He wasn't Ja or Zion. He was like a, a second round pick. So it wasn't a given that he was going to make the NBA. So he was going to Michigan State University and he was over there studying, trying to make sure he got his future together. So everything he's doing in media, I really applaud it. And we have to just show him love because he is doing a recap of every game after it happens and giving us a breakdown that we normally don't see because you see players, they're very vague with the media during you know the press conferences. But we're seeing Draymond just sort of get us behind the scenes and put us in his mind after the game happens. And he said one time during um, the press conference, I think this was uh, this might have been uh, against the Nuggets, I think when they lost, he went up there and said, hey, I'm probably not going to give you all a lot because you know I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my podcast at home later. And I'm like, that's I think this is the dawn of, of, of the future of sports media where now the players have even more of a voice. But I don't think that every player can do what Draymond Green is doing because it's one thing to know the game. Same thing in football. It's one thing to know the game, but it's another thing to actually accurately break it down, especially without biases. And that's what I like about Draymond Green. I don't think Draymond Green has an implicit bias because he's a, a purist of the game. You know what I'm saying? And he has his moments where I'm like, Draymond, come on, bro. You didn't have to scratch James Harden in the eye. You didn't you, you have you to kick Buddy down there. You know, but Draymond Green is the guy very intelligent when it comes to basketball. But let's talk about the Celtics versus the Bucks. Now, I lambasted the Nets because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had a really bad series. And people were overhyping them, and that's where a lot of my energy came from. And I got completely tired of it. And, you know, Giannis is arguably the best player in the world. And that's all well and true. But it ain't easy. <laughs> it is not easy at all because Giannis has struggled against the Celtics. And see, what happens is don't let the wins fool you. We see it in football. We see it in basketball. We see it in football where, where, where the Buccaneers beat the Patriots. Tom Brady didn't throw a single touchdown. But, oh, Tom Brady beat the Patriots. No. And you see with basketball, you'll see someone, Ariel, have 24 points in a triple-double like Giannis had. But he shot 9 of 25, 36% from the field. That's not a very efficient game. And that shows you, although you put up great numbers, I had your number on defense. And then game two, where they got blown out, 86 to 109, he had 28 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. 
but shot 40%, 11 or 27 from the field, that's not efficient. And he put up most of those points in the second half, but by that time it was too late because Boston was in a rhythm. So I want to ask you, do you think that Giannis can solve this defense? Because Kevin Durant could. Do you think Giannis can? I think he can, but not alone. Yes, you can see it's only so much that he can do. He can put up all the points. He can get triple doubles every night. But if I'm only doing that in certain quarters, if I choose that to do the first quarter, I can't, or the first half, I can't always try to do that in the second half. It's not going to work. I can't do this all by myself, regardless if I'm the greatest player in the world, the greatest players in the world need help. Look at Jordan. Look at LeBron. I can't do it all by myself. I can't carry the whole playoff on my back by myself. I actually did that last year. It worked for a minute. I can't do that this year because the competition is different. They're starting to figure me out. They're starting to study my moves. They're starting to listen to podcasts. They're starting to evaluate the game. So if I don't get my teammates involved, if they don't help me score more than the points that I'm making by myself, then the Celtics are going to have you figure out for the next couple games. Now, I do think they can win this series, it is possible, but we want them to do it, what, in game five or game six? You can't do that with the way that you play yesterday night. So they're going to have to figure it out as a group. It's no longer a me and I effort. The super player to carry everybody is kind of dying out. You need players around him to build up on him. It's cool if I get 28, 35, 40 points in a single game, but that can't be the reason why we win the game. You have to help me get those 30, 40, 28 points, those high-scoring games as a whole. So it's possible just yesterday night just wasn't his game. That's true, and and, and I, I can definitely give you that. Ellen, by the way, I got to say this because I, I, I just this popped up on my Twitter. Hey, I got to give a shout-out to JJ Reddick, and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand the full context, but I will watch it later. But JJ Reddick said on First Take Today with Mad Dog and Stephen A. Smith, I think he said this to Mad Dog, people on Fox News talk about athletes that way. JJ, JJ, stop applying so much pressure, man. You you so good at your job, JJ. JJ really become one of my favorite analysts, man. I will I will get to that after the show. I will I will go watch that. Cause shout out JJ is saving ESPN. Like JJ is is restoring so much respectability. Cause don't get me started about what I tweeted about Stephen A. Smith. And one day I might meet him. One day I might meet him. And you know, one thing that I've I've learned about men like Stephen A is we pivot back to the Celtics and, and the Bucks. Sometimes people of a certain age, Ariel, are stuck in their ways. They're very much so stuck in their ways. They ain't gonna change. Oh, that's change. every black community. There's, there's, you're always gonna have that generation. Once they learn what they learn, they're never going to move out. I'm particularly the same way because I'm still part of that generation with the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, being nice, being considerate to your elders. This generation out here is give respect, get respect. That, that's not how we work. That's not what you're supposed to do. But once you're stuck in your ways, man, ain't no change that. And sometimes it's a good thing. You got to remind yeah. these folks who you are and what they looking at because they be forgetting. But sometimes I would say it's a bad thing because I think that to a point like socially, politically, and even in just with mental health and how you treat people, I think that at a point you have to evolve. And I think that going back to basketball, I think that you see the old heads hating on these players so much. Because one thing we see often, and this is the big thing with Giannis, is that you want your seven-foot players to be in the post. You don't want your seven-foot players bringing the ball up and doing fast breaks, but that's the new, that's the, that's the, the, the new generation. Like, the dream team went to Barcelona. 
And they played against all those teams. Michael Jordan, Matty Johnson, Larry Bird. All those amazing players. Even Charles Barkley. And they made basketball a global game. So when Dirk came over here, when Paul Gasol came over here, when Giannis and Luka and Jokic, all these players came over, guess what? People like Charles Barkley ushered in this new generation of positionless basketball. They ushered in this new generation of big men that can do both. Jokic can get in the post. And, you know, I don't want Jokic to win MVP. He can get in the post, but he's a more effective point guard because he can see over the defense. And Giannis gets a lot of criticism because it's a lot of folks that are stuck in their ways. And I think that with the NBA and with sports is that I think that we have to stop slandering these players and taking it too far. Like, did I go in on Kevin Durant and Kyrie last week? I did. And you laughed. It was amazing. But at the same time, both of them are still great players. But I was rooting against them because the media was hyping them up because they didn't know what they were going to do with all these other folks that aren't LeBron and Kevin Durant and these ready-made stars. So they hitched their wagon to John. We'll talk about that in, in, in a second. But, you know, I want to talk about can the Celtics stop the Bucks? But, I mean, we can skip that topic because did. Okay, they did because it, he's not all that efficient. He's not all that he's not all that efficient in this series. But I just think that I see a lot of folks saying, "Oh, y'all, Giannis does is run and dunk. He can't be the best player." Y'all are stuck in your ways. I'm a LeBron fan too. I honestly, I am a fan of point guards because me being an average height black man, okay, I'm a fan of point guards. I'm 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 a fan of like you know the players on the court like Chris Paul that can command the game. But the thing is that if we want basketball to grow and we want those 7.7 million people to continue watching basketball, we want that peak of 10 million people to continue watching basketball, we have to open up to the evolution of basketball. Ain't nothing going to be the same as it was in 92. And I think for the most part, for the most part, that's a good thing. So that's just sort of my soliloquy because off of two games where Giannis was wildly inefficient, we can't be like, oh, he's not the best player. Oh, this and that. We can't be that. And I think that that's our problem in sports discourse, Ariel. And I think essentially you're right. And Bleacher Report actually started doing that. I don't know if you've seen. They always do these type of animation or cartoons or like little yeah. miniseries that comes up. And so they started doing a wormhole back in the day. Well, they'll take the best two players yeah. from then and now and like... It was so funny seeing about it. Giannis was playing Will Chamberlain, which is one of the best scores, essentially one of the best scores, if you really want to debate with yep. me about it, of all time. And they were showing against new and old school the ways how he was going around them, the pick and roll, scoring. And essentially, when you look at Giannis and they start changing errors, he can become the best player in the world. He could be more than anything, the best at any position that he could ever play. But you have to get out of that mindset that we don't have Wilt Chamberlain's anymore. We don't have essentially Allen Iverson's anymore. Everybody has evolved from who they are. They set the field. They set the playing game. And you just have to get within the now where it's just like they're just a more evolved species of who they used to be. And that's that's all that you want for sports, period, for it to evolve. You never want it to be the same. Rules are evolving. Refs are evolving. The change in genders of if we can have a female ref or we can have a yep. female coach are evolving. So if everything is changing around you, that should mean that the players have to change. 
going in football, you no longer see a quarterback that can only throw. The quarterback has to be mobile. He has to be a dual threat. You never see a wide receiver only being a wide receiver. Sometimes he's going to have to be that really aggressive tight end, just like Kyle Pitts is. Kyle Pitts plays both positions on the field, and it wouldn't surprise me if he does it this season. You can't just sit here and be stuck in your way. So now I do... I do condone being stuck in your ways in certain things just because I feel like some things just shouldn't change for the principle of it, for it to be a pillar in society, for everyone to look back and hold on to. But when it does come to sports, I think it's time to kind of grow up, mature a little bit, and let these youngins have these games and be able to mentor them. Because I do not like what Tannehill said about his backup quarterback that is coming to him. It's not my job to mentor him. It's a competition. Well, no. Uh-oh, we got, we got to talk job. about that. We're going to talk about that. Okay, we got, I'm going to save that then because I disagree. I actually disagree. And and I, I, I will, I, I, I'll put that down. We'll talk about that. We talk about football. All right? Yeah. <laughs> because I, 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 that, that's a whole, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation that I definitely want to have. I think it's your job to do both. To, it, they're still what, your competition. Let's save it. Let, let's save it for the football park. We might go viral on that now. Wait a minute. We might go viral with this one. Let, let, let's, let's, let's save it for the football park. All right. So let, let's go on. Because like I said, the Celtics stopped the Bucks. We don't even got to talk about that. So let's talk about Jaws. So Jaws, my guy. Um, you fought me on this so bad yesterday, and I well, cannot wait. Well, see, not really. Because I because my thing is that. The, the the Grizzlies face a very inexperienced Timberwolves team. They're playing a title-ready Warriors team. And the Warriors, the Grizzlies had control of that game the whole entire game, but the Warriors still were in it. And I think that Ja is amazing. And my, my thoughts on these players, I try to be very fluid. And sometimes I fail in that. But I try to be fluid because I do see a lot of Allen Iverson in Ja. I feel like there's no new Allen Iverson because I think that Allen Iverson is Jaw and Trey. And there's also some more players that sort of have that Allen Iverson type of energy. Um, but Jaw in, like, encapsulates that, that more because he embraces that culture. He has the dress, so his moves. So I like Jaw, but when you compare Jaw to Trey, and I'm a fan of Trey, and i am become a fan of the Hawks, and now I know how it feels to be a Falcons fan, like, I tell you, I'm, I'm going to be defensive. You know, and I'm put in positions to go against job because that's how sports discourse, how the topic is turned. And I think that Jaw himself is getting too cocky and too full of himself. I am forced people, I'm four players celebrating. I'm cool with the celebrations in the end zone in football. You know, sometimes like the dancing, like Steph running away when he's just three-pointer, that's great theater. But my thing is that Jaw was hitting the gritty in the first quarter of a game that he lost when he missed the game-winning layup. I didn't see that, and maybe I wasn't looking at the right angle, but Jaw was in his bag until the end when he dropped 47 points. He was barking at Steph Curry, but guess what? Sir, you earned it. It's the end of the game. You dropped 47 on a dy- on, on, on the last remnants of a dynasty that's trying to get, to get, that, get that back. You did your thing. You gave me LeBron 2007 energy. So you barking at Steph, that might not be good for your health, bro, because Steph Curry might come back and give you 60. You never know with Steph because Steph will get going. But now you've earned it. But in the first quarter, when you're up by five points and you hitting the gritty, Ja, you can't do that. 
because that's the same energy we were getting on. Well, I, I didn't say anything bad about that Timberwolves for celebrating, but that's the same energy that everybody was getting on the Timberwolves about. Oh, y'all didn't win anything. It was just a playing game. X, Y, Z, what do? And my, and my brother, you know, he 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 always be, be picking with me. Oh, it's not the playoffs. This, is, this don't matter. And I'm like, these games matter. It don't matter. So, Ja, you can't do that. So I think that Ja is an amazing player and he is on a superstar trajectory. And he has a chance. A guy grabs the chance as any other teams that's in this race for the playoffs to make the finals. And I think that this is his year where he just takes over, but he's doing too much. I completely disagree with you. Mm. I'm sorry. I, you know, the, the person in me, the, the devil's advocate in me has to <laughs> disagree with you just because you look at people and if we, if we want to talk, you know, like, like you said, and like we're saying, there's no one ever going to be like AI. He is the answer. Nobody's ever going to be like him ever again, but he never won a championship. This man was superstar potential. He was championship potential, but he never got there. But looking at his aggressiveness, looking at how he always entered the game, I don't see there's nothing wrong with establishing your personality, establishing who you are. If you want to hit the gritty in the beginning of the game, whether you lose or not, go ahead and do that. Because I think we're kind of, and I'm not saying that this is the way you're thinking, but this is just kind of how it came off to me. I think it's not okay because he doesn't have position yet. He doesn't have a background yet. Because if he was anybody that's been in the game for a long time, it would be different if I see LeBron hitting it, or if I see Steph, or if I see KD, or if I see Chris Paul doing it, just because he has stature. He has what people may say, he has tenure. He can do that because regardless if he wins or he loses a game, I know this man is like that. Jaw is still growing. I give him that. He is still rising to be in that potential. But I don't mind if he go ahead and flex a little bit. I don't mind if he goes ahead and let people know, hey, I'm here. Because what you showed me yesterday night is you want to fight. It might be Warriors in seven. It might be Warriors in six, like I said. But they're not going down without a fight. And this man, righteously so, deserves to show off any skill, deserves to show off any potential, deserves to talk his Talk his mess. I was, you know, he can't curse. He can't curse on the podcast. There's to talk his mess and do whatever he needs to do. I don't find it a problem if he wants to be aggressive. I don't find it a problem if he wants to get dirty. I don't find it a problem if he wants to go ahead and celebrate. That he deserves to do that. It's not a problem to me. You playing against teams that you know are ready for a championship, but to knock them off to still show that I'm going to be cocky and still can play against you, I have no problem with you doing that. That that makes sense. I like. I just think for for me, it just doesn't look good when you're gritty in, in the first quarter, but you looking crazy cussing at the camera, and the camera's picking you up when you lost by one point. I I, I just I just don't think that that's good form at, at at this point. But I get where I get what where, where you're coming from, and I don't want to control athletes in that way and say what they can and can't do. Yeah, um, no. But you know, I, I just. It's just something within me that makes my skin crawl when I see that from any athlete. And LeBron has done it too. And you know, LeBron, LeBron's my guy. And I, I didn't like that. I thought that was in poor taste. But, you know, Aria, like I I I really want to do this, Aria. Okay. Like, cause this is a perfect segue into this. Like, can we pull an audible? Because I'm looking at these tweets on first take, and it's going viral white right now. Draymond, like not Draymond. Well, they were talking about Draymond Green. 
So I want to play this, Aria, because we got to give our take on it because this is media. And this this is talking about the Draymond Green topic that we just talked about. So what they're talking about, Draymond Green, he got elbowed in the face. And basically, he had to leave and get stitches. And Draymond said comments where essentially he said, man, I don't care about flipping off those fans because at, at the end of the day, I could have had a concussion. Like, it, it ain't that serious. And I'm just making an appearance and just pay it back anyway. So you know how people are with talking heads on, on, on TV that play respectability politics. And we're talking about his job being too cocky. So I want to play this and I want I want us to give our live reaction to it as it's going crazy on Twitter right now. We got to play it. I give you a large segment of older fans who have followed the NBA for 60 years, who are, this is not a political scenario or a race situation, who have followed Wilt and grew up as a Knicks fan, who loved Clyde and loved Reed yeah, but and I, loved I, the I Pearl. I disagree with you on that. I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying the, it's a race situation. I'm saying that this, the, the fans you're talking about, they talk about athletes that way, like you just talked about an athlete. I think there's a lot. The I think people, there's a the people large on Fox, segment. The people on Fox News talk about athletes that way. Well, that's, I mean, that's and my I, issue. And Fox News that's is, my issue. I, I don't actually care about the fans that watched Bob Cousy play right. or watched Wilt play. I don't care. Right. I appreciate that they've been NBA fans that long. Right. But I don't appreciate the undertone. Okay, so I think this is a great conversation, Ario, on where do we draw the line? Like, what do you think we draw the line? And this almost goes to the discourse about Ryan Tannehill and, and 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 Malik, what's his last name? What's his last name? What's his last name? Malik Willis. Willis. Malik, mm-hmm. I, I did not forget his last name. That's insane. Malik Willis. I just I just forgot it in that moment. So it it goes to that. So essentially, what I'm getting from this clip is that Mad Dog essentially said something along the realms of just shut up and dribble, and that Draymond shouldn't have said what he said. How I look at it is Charles Barkley is beloved by America, by by Black America. By white America, but by, but people in our generation don't like him because number one, he don't watch the games. He be saying all that stuff. Meanwhile, you're not watching the games, and you want me to be fair. I can't speak for Ernie. Ernie's the moderator, but the only one up there that watches them games is Kenny Smith, and Kenny Smith been wrong too. But he he's the one. He's the only one up there that I think really watches the games for real. Charles gets up there and just says whatever he want to say. But Charles said, I'm not a role model. He said a lot of different stuff in his playing career. And now he's applauded for it. He's a legend for it. When John Madden passed away, they said Charles Barkley was walking in in, in that same light as John Madden when it came to broadcasting. But you're but but you're disrespecting Draymond for speaking about how he felt and the reason why he flipped off the fans. Because that was wrong. Why are you cheering that he got ejected when he really could have had a concussion? Because this is bigger than than the game. I think that JJ is 100% right. And I want to toss it to you. Like, do you think that this is the point where sports discourse goes too far? Where you're telling someone like Draymond Green who explained why he's feeling the way he feels to just shut up? I mean, it's... It's two things, different different time, different eras. So, you know, with Charles Barkley back in the day, they were kind of making a stand in a line still that race shouldn't matter in a sport and I'm going to prove that I'm the best. So when you take those two things, of course, they're, they paved the way they're playmakers. So you have that behind them. And then that was a different time and era where, you know, especially our YT people, they love, they love black players. They love that they took a stand. They love that they were the forefront the forerunners of what the game is today. You look at players like Draymond Green and 
past that Allen Iverson era where it's kind of like we want to try to control them. We want to try to make sure that they can't play the way that they want to play or they can't fully express the way that they need to play regardless. And so looking at it and, you know, got to throw in that history of Draymond Green, they don't care. And it's kind of to the fact that I don't want to – I don't want to discount like you shouldn't check on a man's health. You shouldn't check on if he's okay or not, regardless of what he's done to you, regardless of what his history is, because who are we to judge? But when you are that kind of player, you kind of blur the lines of, well, should I care for you? Because you don't care when you hurt other people and you have this, this and that. But people are as unbiased as we are. People can't look at the facts like that. So when you say that and then you drawing those kind of lines, like how the audible we just played that's where it gets a little like all right that's a little disrespectful you should have never said that regardless of who this person is it's wrong and i don't he wasn't wrong for i i personally know it i'm all here for the aggressiveness like flick (laughs) off the crowd man i'm hurt i don't care what happened last game like i'm bleeding their players are on the ground and y'all are like really hyped y'all are really mad y'all want to say something because i flicked you off and i'm hurt Come on, man. I, I, and I think that, and I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's probably already happened as we're recording this. But we know the NBA is going to find Draymond. But, oh, yeah, we know but, he's going to find But at what point can the players respond to the fans that disrespect them? At, at, at what point? Because with me, you if you listen to my stuff, when I was doing the, the, the recaps of, of the games with, with, with the round one, I was going after Kyrie and Kevin Durant for how they played, but look at my Twitter, and I don't know, I, I might have talked about it on the podcast, but I didn't go after Kyrie for flicking off those fans how they were treating them. I didn't go after them because I think Kyrie was in his right to say what he needed to say. And if I did, hey, listen, I, I'll take that L, and I'll say that I was wrong, and he needed to go after them. Because I just I just think that we like that it's just a line. I, it is a line that that I think that we've crossed for the sake of content. And I think it's, it's a line that we've crossed for the sake of almost treating these players. I don't want to say like animals because I don't think they're treated like animals, but I think that they're treated, all right, yo, and get this, I think you're going to understand where I'm coming from. I think they're treated like video game players because if, like, let's say, for example, I'm playing with Draymond Green. Draymond Green, when I turn off my Xbox Series S, he's like, Draymond Green ain't doing nothing. But I turn it back on, now I'm playing with them. I feel like that's what that's how we treat some of these athletes. And I think this is a perfect segue to Ryan Tanhill and what happened with his comments about Malik Willis. So I want to read some excerpts of the article that ESPN brought out. It said that Ryan Tannehill has been in therapy after the playoff loss. And uh, it basically says that, you know, that 1916 loss in the divisional round when they had that first round bye, uh, he threw three in the interceptions. And Ryan Tannehill felt it. He says a deep scar. Every time I close my eyes, I kind of rewatch the game. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep for weeks. I was in a dark place. It took me a while, a lot of work to get out of it. And he said he worked through it with therapy, talking to people, time helped. It took a lot of time to get through it. And then he said, this is the first time I absolutely, I absolutely needed it in the context of therapy to pull me out of a dark place. He said the loss is a scar, but it, he will carry it with him for the rest of his life but that it can serve as fuel for him to work and get hard and get ready for the 2022 season with a desire to win like he never has before. So when I heard about the Malik Willis situation, that was the context that I heard it from, right? 
then I read it and at first I was like, eh, you got to pass down the game. But in the context of he ain't been in his best place mentally anyway, it ain't really his responsibility to give that game to, to Malik Willis. I, I think that through his actions and practice, I think through his moves, Malik going to pick it up. And I, I'm, I don't think he's going to toss Malik in the bushes. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that he's that it's going to be probably conversations and things that's going to happen just in the flow of a practice and on the flow of summer camp. But that man is not in the best place right now, although he's getting better to pour into somebody else. And, and I think that in life, you have to just say that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that Ryan Tannehill spoke his truth. And, hey, it, it is what it is. Malik going to get it. He, he's talented. He, he, sh- he shouldn't be playing with the Titans, to be real. So I, I feel like that's my take. And I feel like he's going to get it. And it really shouldn't be Ryan's responsibility, especially when he's already going through it mentally. I respectfully disagree. Um, it's never easy. Look, and let's 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 just start here. They didn't have a bad season. It wasn't it wasn't too bad. They went twelve and five in the AFC South. They were first in the AFC South, but you know they lost in that playoffs after having so many injuries. They were looking too good. However, regardless of who's coming up against you, regardless of if your spot's about to be taken or not, I feel like he displayed a little bit of fear that um, even though it was okay to be vulnerable and, you know, it's okay not to be in the right headspace, that doesn't mean you neglect, especially the kind of backup quarterback that you're having a black quarterback to say to the media that, hey, I don't care who this person is. You know, he probably wasn't being racist and I'm not saying that he was, but I don't care who this person is. I don't care what he has to bring to the team. It's not my job. We're competing against each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. However, he's new and there's not a lot. It has happened before. And I understand it's scary because it happened with the Patriots when they chose my boy over Cam Newton. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's not your job, but you don't want him to come out here and he's not learning. You already know potentially that he's not going to get as many reps as you in practice. He's not going to see the field like that. He may not even see one preseason game because they're just trying to make sure that they went with the right choice. Nobody in the NFL draft was looking for a quarterback willingly besides the Steelers. So your position right now, you're you playing as a quarterback first string is not much as a threat as you think. You didn't end the season terribly. You still have majority of your weapons. You have a lot of people coming back. He is just here. So he isn't fine. He just wants that. He just wants to be on the team. He was just lucky to be chosen. They knew the draft wasn't a quarterback draft. So for you to say that to me shows that you're a little bit scared that he might take your position, that he is a threat. But at the same time, it is your job to kind of make sure that he does what is needed to be done. I don't think I don't think Malik Willis is as much of a threat as Ryan Tannehill is making him seem. Regardless of what he's gone through, like I said, it's mental health. Mental health is serious. The position that he's in, he's serious. I don't want to take that from him. However, that was just, to me, that's a little selfish. That's not something that you want to hear, something that you think will come out of his mouth, the quarterback that he is. But the only thing is that, and this is the thing with football, I, I'm just never going to get like, you don't think that's wrong, though? Because, see, I'm looking at the article, you know, and he said that the Titans didn't notify him that they were selecting Willis with the number 86 pick. He, but he texted him. He said, you know, he texted him, wished him well. And the quote he said was, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but if he learns from me along the way, 
that's a great thing. And he said he welcomes the, the, the competition. And it could be an undertone of, man, like y'all trying to, to replace me. But I think that's sort of dirty. Like, because to me, he's already going through the mental health issues. And he's already going through having to deal with the game that he played and him having the best shot to go to, you know, the Super Bowl. He had an amazing season. And now you're bringing in a young quarterback. Then on top of that, you traded A.J. Brown. So now my, my number one threat is gone. So how am I supposed to feel? And I, I really don't think he was throwing shade at Malik. I think it was like, dude, like, I'm I'm trying to process all of this as this going on. Like, y'all really set me up to fail. I'm walking into a trap during, during training camp. Like, right, what the world? Like, my, my receiver's gone. You brought a quarterback. I just don't understand why if you have a quarterback that is doing his thing, and Ryan Tannehill had a great season last year, why are you bringing in another quarterback? I want Malik Wills to get drafted, but why are you bringing in another quarterback when you are having an established quarterback? I feel like it's like like he's being set up to feel that way. I I think that he's making himself feel that way. Like I said, it's nothing wrong with that. You're going through some stuff, and then a lot of a lot of teams had surprises during during the draft. Is now potentially. While I was looking, while I was listening for speak for yourself, I highly doubt that Lamar Jackson didn't know that he was going to lose one of his best players. They had to talk to you. They had to say something. You knew a trade was going to happen. You just saying, wow, oh my gosh, was not something that you just found out. It just, you just want a reaction out of everybody letting you know that we may not be the best team this year. So, you know, take it easy on me because, you know, the Lamar Jackson hate is real. That, that seemed kind of fake. But at the same time, you got to think about what happened last season. A lot of quarterbacks went down. You had quarterback situation going on with the Saints. The Steelers just went out of quarterback. Aaron Rodgers and everybody was throwing up retirement. You have to be prepared for your next step. And let's remind ourselves that Ryan Tannehill wasn't the best quarterback two years ago until he lost his offensive coordinator that is now the Atlanta Falcons head coach, regardless of the situation that you're going through. And I'm sorry that you may not have everybody on your roster like you want. The Green Bay Packers don't have everybody on their roster. And I'm sorry that you're going through mental health issues. However, Malik Willis isn't a threat right now to you this is your time to prove yourself in the season that i can play and i can still be the best person that i was last year i can still make us to the playoffs now if i go if i get hurt and there's nobody else that the team thinks is going to be great in my stance and that's your fault not wanting them to tell you that they drafted a quarterback to me this is precautionary i'm not saying he's going to take your spot but i don't have time for somebody not as great to help you if you get injured this season which was a lot happened last season i don't have time to not take that precaution so i don't think it was a threat to him i don't think it was bad that they chose one like i said it wasn't it wasn't something that any of the teams were going to do besides the Steelers. But I don't want what happened in the NFC. And I don't want what happened with all these teams want to retire. That I don't have the next best thing. I get it. No, I I, I, I get it. I, like, I just think, and then, you know, we'll move on to really the HBCU players in the draft. Is, you know, with with Tannehill, I, I hope he has, has a good season. And I just... And you know what, what too, and I read um I read the book about the Patriots. I told you about that, um, the Dynasty book, and how that Tom Brady situation went down. And I feel like that's a precedent. 
to a certain degree because people think, is this man Tom Brady? Am I Drew Bledsoe? Like, like, what we're not gonna do is you're not gonna make me Drew Bledsoe. So I, I feel like you know, it's in the back of your mind is it, it, is something, but it's like if like like sports is a job, and yeah. sometimes like you feel like at without a job you're set up to fail. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like we're gonna see what happens. Um, and maybe Traylon Burst is gonna be the guy. He's gonna be on his his big Kyle Picks energy. You know what I mean? He might be on that energy. You know what I mean? I, he is. I'm I'm not saying Tannehill is valid. He is valid to all his feelings. However, I don't think he should think about it super deep. Just just more. I'm not he's you know, I understand you feel like this is bad, but just don't turn it into a bad situation. Just just let it be, let it play out and see what happens. That makes a bunch of sense. So let's move on to our last topic of the day. You know, the NFL draft happened. And shout out to everybody that was drafted, including Malik Willis. Um, shout out to him. But we yeah. had some HBCU players that were okay. drafted and also that signed undrafted free agent deals, as well as got rookie camp invites. And I'm going to be missing someone because I believe it was it was a brother from Winston-Salem State University that got signed as well that wasn't on this list that uh, we posted up on HBCU Pulse. Uh, but, you know, we got a spotlight Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State University. He's going to the Chiefs with 135th pick. Kobe Durant, my God, I brought him up on, yes, on, on last week. I brought him up. I said, hey, you got to get drafted. He was drafted to the Super Bowl champion Rams with 142nd pick. James Houston, the fourth from Jackson State University, Coach Prime. He was drafted to the Detroit Lions, who, by the way, he like like the GM's your people. And North Carolina A&T Aggie is the GM of the Detroit Lions. All right, so shout out to him. He made sure he held it down for HBCUs by drafting James Houston. And then Jatara Carter from Southern University was drafted to the Chicago Bears with the 226th pick. And we also want to give a shout out to Marquise Bell from Florida A&M. He has a free agent signing with the Cowboys. Shamar Bridges from the Fort Valley State University, my HBCU, going to the Ravens with my boy, with my boy Lamar Jackson. We don't need Hollywood Brown. <laughs> we, we got Shamar Bridges, okay? We got Shamar from Fort Valley. We got Tyson Williams, who I went to middle school with. You're good with middle Georgia. Lamar, okay, you're good. You good down here in 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 Bibb County and Peach County, Lamar. You good, all right. Keith Corbin from Jackson State is going to the Bills. Deshaun Dixon uh, from Norfolk State is going to the Jaguars. Felix Harper, this is this is interesting. He's going to the Browns from Alcorn. He's going to the Browns. He's going to be behind Deshaun Deshaun Watson and possibly in front of Baker Mayfield. That's funny. Um, Ron Hunt. From North Carolina, A&T is going to the Jets. Al Young from Jackson State is going to the Giants. God bless his heart. Savon Williams is going to Williams is going to the Jets from Florida A&M. And the rookie minicamp um, invitations, Will Adams from, from Virginia State, the Dolphins, D. Anderson from Alabama A&M, he's going to the Saints from minicamp. Caleb Carter, Southern, he's going to the Colts minicamp. Stephen Davis Jr., North Carolina A&T, going to the Washington Commanders. The Commanders, okay? Keenan okay. uh, <laughs> Forbes, Florida from Florida A&M, he's going to the Seahawks for minicamp. Aquil Glass, that was shocking. He is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minicamp. Uh, Alabama A&M, is he going to replace Tom Brady? Are we going to get a repeat of Drew Bledsoe? Let me tell you right now. <laughs> 
HBCU player get that? <laughs> it's not. It's the fact that people are going to be mad. But oh, the world is turning if an HBCU player is a successor off of the greatest football player of. All. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Then they got a black coach too. Oh, it's over with for y'all, oh, bro. It's o- Oh, it's, all, it's oh, over oh. with for y'all. It's gonna be a lot of folks watching Fox News after that game. All right. Look, sick of me. You finna be sick of oh, man, me. Man, we not man. Listen, I, I'm going to be a Buccaneers fan of that happen, but stop playing with me. All right. So CJ Holmes from Jackson State, many count with the Saints. You have Zafir Kelly from from South Carolina State. He's he's going to mini camp with the Packers. Jermaine Martin, North Carolina A and T. I thought he was going to get drafted, but he's going to be doing a mini camp with the Colts from North Carolina A and T. Marquise McLean, Southern University, going to be with the Jets. Najee Reem, North Carolina A and T. I'm tell he's holding down for the Aggies. GM holding down for the Aggies now in the HBCUs. Oh, yeah. He's going to the Lions. I'm telling you. And then Kylan Ritchie from Jackson State, mini camp with the Saints. Got two more people, Braylon Robinson, Jackson State, minicamp with the Buccaneers, and Jawan Taylor, Jackson State, minicamp with the Jets. So shout out to all of these HBCU players. We salute y'all, make it happen. And for the folks that didn't get drafted or didn't get that free agent signing, man, you going to that minicamp, go crazy. Like, get, get a spot. Get that money, all right? Because, listen, you never know what could happen. So I'm proud of all these brothers. So I, I want to say this quick observation that I want you to give your take. Um, so for the, for the draft picks, all right. So two of these players are going to very favorable places. I would say probably three, Joshua, Dakobe and Jatir. Joshua and Dakobe won were great places. All right. Jatir, I would say is the chiefs and the Rams to me, that that's a great place to be. Cause I, I only got to play and I get a ring. Okay. Um, <laughs> like to be honest, then Jatir, I think the Bears could utilize him. And then you got Justin Fields that's going to be playing. So I feel like, and you got Tariq Cohen that might be coming back. So I mean, possibly this this could be a move. Now, James Houston, and I want I want to say shout out to the GM. That's, that's an HBCU grad. The Lions aren't the most desirable place, but I think they had a really good draft. So maybe it would be good for him. He could help turn around that Lions franchise. I mean, but... <laughs> I was sort of like when I saw Joshua and Nicobe come off the board, I'm like, do I want to get drafted in, in like the last round? Because I think I might go to the best place. <laughs> Listen, you know, people really forget when when you're raking and, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to follow. You're raking from worst to best teams. So what better position to be than to be chosen last and be chosen by the last two teams that had the best record in the NFL the Kansas City Chiefs, and then you got the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Los Angeles Rams. I I would be excited. My my hopes would be up. You know, I that's not bad. We all knew, and it's kind of sad, but we're doing better. That most most HBCUs and maybe those D two or three D three schools are chosen in the last rounds in those last couple of days. But I'm excited that a lot of them were chosen in the NFL draft, then besides being signed as a free agent or going to these mini camps, no shades to anybody that's doing that. I'm excited that there's there. We had a whole list of players that are being signed. that are going to mini camps. I'm excited, but it feels even better to actually just see four or five amazing HBCU players get drafted within those days. So that's very exciting. I I'm, I'm proud of them. Yes. And I want to say real quick, because I don't want to leave um, this brother out. and It might be more out there. 
But uh, the Winston-Salem State University football player that got an undrafted free agent deal, so he's getting signed regardless. Joshua Flowers went to Winston-Salem. He's going to be signing an undrafted free agent deal with the with the uh, the Jaguars. So shout out to him as well. All right, I want to make sure I got him in. So the thing is this. So I want to have this conversation, and then we then we can leave it here. So. We hate money games. Deion Sanders hates money games. And people, we put it on YouTube, people agreed. It was a whole debate in the YouTube comments when we did that video back in September when we first started. But a question has to be asked when we look at Kobe Durant getting drafted and taken, being taken off that board. Do money games help the draft stock? Do money games help the draft stock? Because, see, ESPN has a lot of these games. So we know that the celebration mode was on ABC it got record viewing. But I think that a lot of people saw, and a lot of scouts, especially NFL people, saw how tough Kobe Durant was in that loss against Clemson. Because, see, Clemson beat South Carolina State 49-3. to But he got several interceptions, all right? You know, he, had, he okay, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at, you know, the stats. But he, he had several interceptions. He had a pretty good game. And he he made some impacts on that field against an ACC defense, an ACC offense. So, do these money games sort of help? Because I don't like the money games. I and and I said this in I don't think we will release this episode, but I said something that I think I was a little bit wrong on. In maybe college football can have like an NFL type of feel, where if Jack Jackson State, Alabama, and them are in the same division, I want to see them play twice, home and home, but. Maybe that's not possible, and I get that. Maybe that's not possible. But I would like to see more games where, if it's HBCU versus PWI, where these HBCUs can actually compete with, with, with the team on the other side. But does playing Clemson help? Is I think I think North Carolina A&T is going to play Georgia in, in a few years. Will that help out some possible draft drafty prospects? Like, will that help? You know, so what do you think about the, these money games? Because the Kobe Durant seems to have gotten drafted off of that one game i want to say this one last thing too ario just to set it up i was watching espn and i was watching like when they said kobe durant got drafted by the rams they showed it and they brought up really only the clemson game that was the one thing they spotlighted they didn't talk about the celebration ball they didn't talk about the game against norfolk state like they didn't talk about these other games where he shined in and that defense is going crazy they talked about the clemson game so do you think that now looking at the Kobe Durant getting drafted that these money games now have a purpose? Well, I think um, to your last point, um, that's just the setup of the system. Not not to sound like, you know, I'm awakening people, but that's just the setup. ESPN is not going to give the time, the effort, or what's needed yet to HBCUs unless it's given. And so that's the responsibility of all the black broadcasters that were on there to say something about the celebration bowl, because you should have all the writers that are behind the scenes, um, actually getting analysts from those conferences to say something, but that's a different story for a different day. But I do agree with you. Um, and I agree with you not to 
plug in my old alma mater. Shout out to everybody at North Carolina A&T. But when A&T switched to the Big South, that made a complete difference playing all those white schools, playing Wake Forest, playing Duke. You get that visibility. And that's basically what HBCU players, especially the Black community, needs is visibility. When you give them that, their chances boost through the roof. You know, not to say that... Um, Old NFL players coming to be coaches are not helping or, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement didn't help all those initiatives that were set in place. But visibility is what we need when you get those people in where they want to see, which they want to see people play Duke. They want to see people play Wake Forest. They want to see people play Clemson. When you get them in those games where you know it's being broadcasted across the world on ESPN Plus or ESPNU or ESPN2, you're going to start seeing those players. So that's that's probably the main reason why he got drafted. You put him on a big stage like that where you know he's going to be seen, You it's hard to ignore him. It's hard to ignore anybody at that point. That's that's basically what happened. And so now with A&T going into the Colonial Athletic Association, that's even more widespread games. It's even more visibility. I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers went up next year for HBCU players that are being drafted. Money games might, unfortunately, be the way to go if we ever want some kind of team, some kind of career in professional sports. Huh, I, I I hate that it has to be like that, but unfortunately, it is. Um, I, I and I said this last week, and we'll end here. I, I wonder how it's going to be when Travis Hunter gets gets drafted because he's going to get drafted. Like yeah. how you have Deion Sanders pull in like a a number one recruit, and they were saying he was number two, but whatever. Number one, number two, it don't matter. A top recruit that people were going crazy over, and look at that spring game. He has some great intangibles already just coming straight out of high school. And I think that no matter what, he's going to garner attention with Deion being on, on Coach Prime's team. And then also just his skill. I believe that he's he's going to get, you know, a lot a lot of burn. And I see maybe maybe next year, maybe two years from now, maybe he might stay all four years at Jackson State. He might level so much there at V. You know what I mean? He might stay all four years. But when it's that time, I want to see how far up that board he goes. Because can he be a first round pick from an HBCU? The first we've seen in a minute is that is that possible, or is it just so much going on in the NC in the NCAA that he shuffles down the board? Because I think that that's going to say a lot about where we are. Um, but I, I think that you know the HBCU combine helped. I think it, it it helped, and I think that a lot of inclusion of the HBCU players that were in those different those different spring games for the NFL that showed their skills. I think that that helped out as well, you know, so I hope that the NFL continues that, um, you know, that, like I said, they had an optics problem and, and I, and I, I listened back to, to our broadcast last week. I don't think that they were picking the players just for their optics. I think that they were, they now opened up their palette to the talent that HBCUs provide. So I, I, I'll go back on what I said last week. Uh, because I think that the NFL does have an optics problem. They like listen. They they, they need twenty twenty hindsight. All right, they need something. But I think that they finally open themselves up to players that can really change their franchise. But we can go on and on and on. I'm excited. I'm I'm hyped now because we talk about HBCU players. But God bless that brother that went to the Giants, man. God God bless. Hopefully he could be the change that we want to see. All right, but Ariel, where can we find you on social media? 
You can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore dot modern day Ari or put me in the hot seat on Twitter at askgreery underscore underscore. Man, we'd love to see it. So listen, make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube at Pulse Radio 100. And outside of that, man, watch the playoffs. Bring them numbers up so I can brag to Ariel, okay? I'm going to be bragging like, we got 20 million too. <laughs> we got 20 million. But nevertheless, man, th- thank you to everybody that listening. We'll see you on the other side. See you guys. You're listening to Pulse Radio. Pulse <laughs> Radio.